There's a zero day that came out last week and we didn't really make a big deal about it. But now we have new details and it's a really big deal. Part of the reason why it was so quiet last week was Google misreported the vulnerability as only affecting Google Chrome. That's incorrect. They quietly fixed that this week. You're gonna wanna chase this down. Let's talk about what you need to know. Hey, I'm Matt Johansson. This is Vulnerable You. And last week, Google pushed an update to Chrome in response to a security flaw that Apple's security team reported to them. This flaw, CVE 2023-4863, was a heap buffer overflow in the WebP image library. You got all that? If you don't know what any of that means, WebP is Google's newer image format that makes pictures a lot smaller than PNGs. Part of the algorithm that makes the images so small was found to have a security flaw in it known as an overflow. That means a specially crafted image could write code out of bounds of memory of what the image was supposed to do. The other wild thing about the story is that Google knows that this vulnerability has been exploited in the wild already. We mentioned it briefly in last week's show as a blog post known as Blast Pass, but like I said, we didn't make a lot of noise about it because it just seemed like you had to update Chrome and you were all good. It turns out this vuln is everywhere and Google quietly updated the vulnerability report to change the affected software from Chrome to everything. Not actually everything, but a whole lot. Basically, anything that invokes this WebP library, which includes many apps that have a web browser-like functionality. You know, you click a link in the app and it doesn't take you to a new app like your web browser. It just loads the web page inside that app. Well, underneath the hood there is probably this WebP library. For those of you who know a little bit more about this, it's actually impacting Flutter and Electron that are in those web browsers. A lot of you are using Flutter and Electron without even realizing it. But here's what intrigues me most about this one. A, Google's initial misreporting. Why did we think that this only impacted Chrome when it first came out? That left us all woefully behind on a vulnerability that we could have gotten a, a week-long head start to. And number two, Citizen Lab was part of the initial disclosure, and they're usually involved if governments or spyware are up to something. I'm assuming we're not hearing all of this story yet, and we're gonna hear more. I wonder what government was using the WebP vulnerability to hack which group of people. Anyway, get to patching, folks. Attribution is hard, and it's generally not a great use of your time. Unless you work in law enforcement, government, or certain high-end threat intel or incident response jobs. That all being said, this next story does a great job of illustrating why it's so hard and pointless. The crux of it, there's been a lot of stories talking about young teenage hackers on the loose. Some really good detailed reporting by Wired and some other groups have identified this group known as the COM. The COM is a group of hackers, some of which are rather young. They have been responsible for a ton of hacks you've probably heard of recently, including a lot of the Las Vegas, Caesars, and MGM ones. The casino hacks were originally attributed to Scattered Spider. I even reported on that myself. Newer reports are saying that they are not involved, but that it's the COM, but also that the COM and Scattered Spider share members. Ugh, you see why this is so hard? Okay, great, we've got a group they're known as Scattered Spider. Does that mean that everyone gets like a brand on the forearm and every time they do anything on the internet, they're under that same moniker? No, these groups are both amorphous and by nature hard to track. That's kind of the whole point. This story and all these headlines about young and teenage hackers bring up two points for me. One, this is an active threat. These guys are currently impacting real world companies and causing lots of damage. And two, we should not underestimate these groups just because of their age of some of their members. These aren't 
dabbling skiddies running Kali and Metasploit. They're running sophisticated phishing campaigns and partnering with global ransomware syndicates. That's not something to scoff at and write off about a bunch of teenagers. Speaking of Scattered Spider, one of their many other names is UNC3944. And we've got a good rundown this week of how their tactics are shifting. Check out the link for the full report, but here are some highlights. They've been an active group since 2022, but they initially targeted only telecom and business outsourcing operation providers. Now they've expanded to all sorts of sectors, hospitality, financial, you name it. They mostly employ tactics like phone-based social engineering and SMS phishing to gain access to organizations. Their MO is to either call an employee impersonating a different employee and get them to give their MFA codes over or to send an SMS text message and get them to click a phishing link and log in. Either way, they've been really successful at using these tactics to gain access, steal information, and even maintain persistence on network. But now they've shifted their tactics and are including ransomware in their tool belt. I have a feeling this is because they had a hard time monetizing the data that they stole previously. And ransomware has a pretty high success rate at getting victims to pay. Watching this group is really interesting because this represents how threat actors can change tactics and targets over time. If you get into even the naming conventions of how Microsoft or CrowdStrike name these threat actors, it's based on their country of origin and their targets. Well, now their targets are changing. I also care about watching this group because they're connected to major breaches that we've all read about recently. Staying on top of their tactics helps us stay on top of our defenses. Next up, we've got a data breach at the University of Minnesota. We don't know a whole lot of technical details about this one, but one part that's super interesting to me is that the list of impacted victims goes all the way back to 1989. If you basically ever went to the University of Minnesota or did business with them, it's time to check your credit usage. This incident affected a vast number of users from 1989 to 2021. Academic data and personal information, including social security numbers, were part of the compromise. University spokespeople said that they're running regular scans and increasing their security for the future. But I'm skeptical about that because I don't see a reason to hold social security numbers for over 30 years for all your users. If we get any more technical details about this one, I'll let you know. I did a lot of pen testing for universities early in my career, and they tend to be behind the curve when it comes to security technology. I hope the prevalence of some of these public data breaches incentivizes other universities universities to up their game. Another major crypto breach this week, and if reports are correct, this is the largest one of 2023. Hong Kong-based Mixin Networks has reported a loss of $200 million in cryptocurrency due to a recent hack. Absolutely staggering loss. Let's dive into the details. Some key points. This just happened this past Saturday. $200 million in loss, and after the announcement, Mixon mentioned that only 50% of deposits are guaranteed. Mixon actually claims to be decentralized, but attributes this loss to a hacked third-party cloud service provider. The specifics of how the funds were drained remain undisclosed, but they were just simple transfers. This would suggest a leak of Mixon's private keys. These keys could have been held on the cloud service that Mixon is blaming for the attack. Something's just not adding up for me on this claim to be decentralized and then blaming $200 million of loss on a hacked third-party database. No reports have said this yet, but this also has all the fingerprints of the Lazarus Group all over it. They're a threat actor out of North Korea that has been plenty busy lately with these kinds of attacks. 
They've stolen over a billion dollars in cryptocurrency, even if this one isn't included. We're gonna wait and see if some more technical details come out of Hong Kong on this one, and I'll let you know. And for this last story, we're gonna talk about Chinese government-affiliated spies infiltrating Cisco routers. They seem to be compromising intellectual property and sensitive data based on alerts from both US and Japan. This cyber espionage group known as Black Tech can modify router firmware undetected and pivot across networks. While this report emphasizes Cisco, the same technique could happen for lots of routers. This group Black Tech has been active since 2010 and targeting groups across US and East Asia. They actually replaced the firmware on the router with custom malware and then it's a data loss free for all. I have three major concerns about this one. One, it's obviously global. We have US and Japan jointly filing reports about this. Two, targeting Cisco gear. Cisco gear is everywhere. If they've found a unique way into Cisco gear that we don't know about yet, they can cause a lot of trouble. And three, this technique is actually pretty sophisticated and we don't have a lot of security tools that are sitting on router firmware watching for attacks. You might have EDR on your endpoints, but do you have them on your routers? You'd have to be watching for all sorts of other types of indicators of compromise. All right, that's all we have for this week. I appreciate you guys all watching and do all the YouTube magic below to make this algorithm like us. If you enjoyed this, like, subscribe, share with a friend.